Amen. As you're grabbing your seats, go ahead and get your Bibles and open them to 2 Timothy this morning in your, in your notes, those ESV notes that we supplied for you. It's page 24 where you'll find the beginning of 2 Timothy. And so this morning is a little unique. We've now completed our journey through 1 Timothy and we're entering into the second book that Paul writes to Timothy and this church in Ephesus. And so that's where we're heading this morning. We're going to begin that journey together today. I want to let you know we'll finish 2 Timothy this month, the month of November. And then starting December, uh, we're going to enter into a season of Advent. So we're going to look forward to uh, the coming birth of, of our King. And so we're going to celebrate all of that together. So excited for the month of December, but really excited about finishing up 2 Timothy. This is such a meaningful book and such a powerful book that I want to make sure that we spend some time in it over the next four weeks or so. And so a little different than, than the first writing that we see from in 1 Timothy uh, to 2 Timothy. And just to kind of help us set up the context of that, I'd like to invite you to read with me the first four verses and then we'll talk about what makes this book unique and, and, and interesting from 1 Timothy. And so Paul starts his writing in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So if you remember 1 Timothy, the theme for writing that book, Paul shares it so that we would know how to conduct ourselves in the household of faith or within the church family. And when he gets to 2 Timothy, we see a much more expected greeting in 2 Timothy. This is a much more familiar um, interaction between Paul and Timothy. It's very personal. So this book is written to Timothy, um, also to the church in Ephesus, and, and for us today, we'll all benefit from this reading. But what what makes this book unique and so special is that this is the last book in the Bible that Paul will ever write, right? And Paul knows it. And that's what makes this so unique. Paul has found himself now some years later after writing 1 Timothy in his final imprisonment in Rome. And he knows that this time's different, right? He's already been on trial once. He's had his first appearance, if you will, and he knows that things are not going well. And this is not just some simple house arrest. He now finds himself in an actual prison, in an actual dungeon, and he knows that his time on this earth is drawing near. It's coming to a close. It's, it's getting short. And so Paul wants to make sure that he reaches out and he writes this letter to Timothy. And so in a sense, it's really Paul just expressing and bearing his heart to his, his young mentee, right? He loves Timothy. And if you remember from the book of Acts, Paul also loves the church in Ephesus. This is a church that Paul had a part in starting, and so he loves the people there. And you can imagine, this is, this is his final word to them, and he knows it. You could kind of put yourself in Paul's situation for a minute. What, what would you want to write what would you want to communicate if you knew that your time on this earth was drawing near and you had a little bit of time to be able to share with those that you love most, what would you share with them? 
What would you want to encourage them with? What would you want them to know that you're about? What would you want them to continue being about themselves as he passes off the baton of faith to young Timothy? And that's what we're going to see here in this book as we study it together. These are going to be Paul's words to this young pastor, to his friend. He says, child in the faith, somebody who means a great deal to him. And he's going to say, listen, these are the last things that I want to be able to talk to you about. In fact, we're going to see in chapter 4, he encourages Timothy to hurry and come before winter starts because he knows that he doesn't have much longer. And he knows that if he doesn't begin the journey now, once winter, once winter kicks into effect, he's not going to be able to make the journey. And Paul, he says here in verse uh, 4, I long to see you. And so he wants to visit with him face to face. But just in case, he wants to pass on this letter to Timothy and this church in Ephesus and share with them his heart. There's only a couple things left that I could share with you. This is what I would share with you. And so what we're gonna see this morning is Paul finishes out chapter one talking about something that is near and dear to his heart, and that's the gospel. In fact, we see all throughout Paul's writings that Paul would make this the number one thing, right? In Paul's mind, this is the main thing. There's nothing outside of the gospel. There's nothing worth giving your life for. There's nothing worth worth spending your days laboring towards than sharing the gospel and seeing people come to saving faith. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning as we examine chapter 1, the rest of this story. Paul's going to talk about gospel focus. And he's going to challenge Timothy with some things, some things that he wants to remind him of. And that's my prayer for us this morning is as we read through these things that, that, that the Lord would pierce our hearts with these things, that we would be challenged just like Timothy was challenged, and that we would really long to put these things into practice and that the gospel of Christ would be the main thing in all of our lives, that we wouldn't see ourselves as 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 fathers and mothers and, and, and whatever we do for a living that just happen to be Christians, but that we would see ourselves as Christians, first and foremost, that have been given the awesome responsibility of taking the good news of the gospel and passing it along. And so that's what we're going to see here is Paul challenged Timothy, like here, here's the baton of faith when it comes to the gospel Here are the things that I want to share with you. Here are the things that I want you to be about that I was about. And that's what we see here in this text. So continue reading with me before we pray this morning, starting in verse 5. We're going to actually read through the end of the chapter. This is so good. Remember, as I read these things, I want you to picture Paul writing these things through the lens of it being Paul's final letter. Paul's writing this from a Roman prison before he faces execution, and this is what he wants to talk about. Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. What an encouragement, what a good reminder for us that faith begins at home. So, so many of us are here, your grandparents or your parents, and listen, I just want to share a word of encouragement with you before we even continue on, that, that the gospel focus, your primary mission field, is within the walls of your own home first. So be encouraged that you're, you're about what God wants you to be about when you're sharing the gospel with the next generation. And Paul reminds Timothy that you didn't, you didn't just stumble upon this, this was because the faithfulness of your grandmother and your mother. 
And God's faithfulness, even the absence of a believing father, you know what God did? God put people in Timothy's life that would be there to share with him the goodness of Jesus Christ and change his life forever. Continue with me in verse 6. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you, which again is the gospel. Verse 15, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you will know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Pray with me this morning. Father, I pray, God, that you would illuminate this passage for us. God, I pray that you would give us understanding, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment. God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts with the truth of this message. God, I pray that we would be people that are focused on the gospel. God, that we would be people that our lives are defined by the gospel and our pursuit to share it with other people that you've placed in our lives. And so, God, I pray that you use these truths this morning to impact us. God, help us to apply this to our lives. Help us to be doers of the word. God, help us to be people that are about your work. And God, the work that you've given us is to make disciples and to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to baptize people and to teach them all that your word is commanded. And God, it's very, very simple. God, it's easy to make other things the main thing. So this morning we ask and we plead with you to help us to make the main thing the main thing which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in his name, amen. So this morning, as I said, we see a really wonderful and beautiful challenge from Paul to young Timothy and this church in Ephesus. And as I said before, many things have changed. Some years have passed. Persecution has been ramped up. Nero is in charge and Paul finds himself in a Roman prison knowing that his days are short. And so he communicates this with emphasis to Paul or to to Timothy, excuse me. And he says, listen, be about the main thing, which is the gospel. But I don't want you to be confused and I don't want you to be shocked. If you make your life about the gospel, if you make your life about the main thing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to face opposition. You're going to face pushback. You're going to face suffering. Eventually, you will face 
persecution for what you believe and what you refuse to stop sharing, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. If you do that, if you make your life about those things, Timothy, then then you need to know. You need to know some things. And so that's what I want us to spend our time doing this morning. I want to look at three things that Paul shares with him here. This is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot of verses and a lot of things that we could talk about this morning. But when we think about gospel focus, we think about what Paul really wants Timothy to understand at the heart. There are three basic things that I want to remind us of in the room here this morning. The first one is this, that we're to not be timid and shrink back. Not to be timid and shrink back. When we think about the gospel, when we think about facing persecution as a result of sharing it, when we think about suffering, when we think about pushback, when we think about opposition to us and the things that we believe, he says, listen, Timothy, don't be timid and don't shrink back from the opportunity that you have before you. We see it in verse six and verse seven. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, which was to proclaim the gospel of Christ, right? And then verse seven, he says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Listen, Timothy, don't be timid. Don't shrink back in the face of what you're gonna face because of your belief in the gospel, because of your sharing of the gospel. Instead, be bold. Instead, be fearless. That's the challenge that we see here from Paul. And so many commentators, when you study this, a lot of people say that it's, it's because Timothy's quiet. He's a quiet guy, right? And Paul's, Paul's not quiet. If you read the scriptures, like Paul's one of those guys that I believe just says whatever comes to his mind, right? And you just have to live with it. There it is. And, and a lot of commentators think that Timothy wasn't so bold, They think he was by nature a little bit more reserved, a little bit more quiet, a little bit more timid. So a lot of people think that's why Paul is challenging him this way, and that may be some of it. But I think a large part of what Paul is is doing here is, is encouraging Timothy to not be timid and not shrink back because he knows that Timothy knows what it's gonna cost him. How does Timothy know what it's gonna cost him? Timothy knows because of the culture that he lives in. Timothy knows because of his relationship with Paul. Timothy, all he's got to do is look at Paul and go, listen, to follow Jesus like that, to make the gospel the main thing, at some point in my life, it's going to cost me something. And I think because of that, Paul is sharing with Timothy, listen, don't shrink back. Don't cower in fear. Be bold with the proclamation of the gospel. Be fearless when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ in ways that we see that in the book of Acts, right? As the early church is being started, the disciples are actually told to stop talking about Jesus. Tell them that they can no longer proclaim his name. Tell them they can no longer share the good news of the gospel. We don't wanna hear that anymore. And the disciples' response is one of boldness and fearlessness. They respond with, we cannot stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And so I think Paul is trying to encourage Timothy with that. Like, listen, as I pass on this baton, this mantle of faith to you, to the next generation, after I leave this earth, listen, you need to lead out 
You need to be bold. You need to be fearless in your proclamation of the gospel. Paul's trying to tell Timothy, listen, the gospel should be empowering. It should be empowering, but so often it's not. For us as believers, it's, it's quite the opposite. And a couple of passages of scripture I want to share just to encourage us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is Jesus talking. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, Jesus understands. He knows that you're going to face stuff, but he also understands the power of the gospel. He also understands what he's called us to. Listen, we take such a defensive posture so many times. Listen, we are to be on offense as believers in Jesus Christ. Notice he says, I will build my church. You just be faithful and obedient to share. I'll take care of the rest. But here's what I know for sure. The church will be built and the gates of hell, which are defensive, right? Cannot prevail against what I'm about to do in this world. I don't know about you, but that doesn't make me want to cower in fear. That fills me with boldness. That should make all of us want to charge the gates with water pistols. As I've heard someone say before, we should be empowered by the gospel. So Paul's saying, like, listen, Timothy, the gospel, don't shrink back. Don't become timid about it. Be bold with your witness. Proclaim it with, with fearlessness. And so that's the challenge for us, to be bold in the proclamation of the gospel. But as I said before, I know, I know I speak from experience when I say it's easy to shrink back. I speak from experience when I say it's easier to just be quiet. Isn't it? You ever found yourself in that situation where you feel like the Holy Spirit's like, all right, so say something now. And you're going, I don't know, Lord. Could you give that to me in writing or audible voice? And I know that, that pressure, but listen, let me take some of that pressure. God's not asking you to save anyone. God's just simply asking you to share and he will build his church. We see it in other passages, Acts 1.8. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. J.D. Greer several years ago wrote a book and it has a fascinating quote in it that really made a lot of people stop in their tracks and the quote was this that the Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Let me say it one more time so we can make sure that we get it. The Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. And I think oftentimes as believers, we forget about that. Let me ask you just a very simple question. If Jesus Christ was at your side and you went over to Walmart, what would you do? What would you do? I feel like we would spend a lot of time sharing the gospel and probably not very much time working on my grocery list. And, and I think for so many of us in the room, we're like, yeah, because Jesus is with us, of course. Wouldn't you feel emboldened? Wouldn't you feel empowered to speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ with, with anyone you come in contact with? I think the point that J.D. Greer was making with that quote is, you have that power. The Holy Spirit dwells within the believer. 
He'll give you the words to say. He'll even answer your prayer to be bold. Oftentimes, that's my prayer. Is God, I know what you've called me to do. I know the message. I know what I'm supposed to share. What I need from you right now is boldness that doesn't make any sense. Give me the words. Give me the strength. Give me courage just to open my mouth and speak. I think that's what we're seeing here with Paul's charge to Timothy, like, listen, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you one of power and love and self-control. See the same thing in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. We focus a lot on 19 and 20, right? We, we know those words, go therefore and make disciples. The verse that we forget about most often, though, is verse 18, when Jesus starts it by saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me So this is what I want you to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That should fill us with boldness. It should fill us with courage. Second thing here, way of practical application, if we face suffering, let it be for the sake of the gospel. Let it be for the sake of the gospel. So don't be timid and shriek back when you face it. But listen, if you face it for the sake of the gospel, then it's, it's good. Peter tells us that in chapter four, in verse 14, he says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and God rest upon you. But verse 15 says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. What he's saying here is, listen, if you face persecution, if you face suffering, if you face opposition, if it's because of the gospel, consider yourself blessed. If it's because of your own foolishness, that's on you. But it's a good reminder to us as Paul is passing on this baton to young Timothy, when it comes to the gospel, don't be timid, don't shrink back because things for them, as I said, Nero's in charge, things are starting to get crazy. In fact, Paul's gonna share that with him, right? Paul's gonna share with him, that's the reason why I'm in chains. He says that in this passage. Not because I've committed some crime. I'm gonna face the death penalty as a martyr for Christ. Why? Because I won't stop sharing the gospel. So that leads us to number two here. The second thing, second challenge for us is do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. He says it multiple times in these verses here. Look at verse eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We see he continues on verse 12. He says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So the second challenge to young Timothy here is this. Don't be reluctant to share the gospel or to associate with me, a prisoner, because of embarrassment or humiliation. That's what being ashamed of something is or ashamed of someone is you feel humiliation you you feel you, you feel embarrassment to be associated with that person and that's what paul is sharing here like listen don't be ashamed of the gospel of christ also don't be ashamed of me and why does paul share this paul shares this because others have abandoned him they've felt the pressure from the world in fact he goes on in this text to say phygelus and hermogenes 
were overcome with embarrassment and humiliation and walked away from Paul and what they claimed to have believed. Listen, lots of names are given in Scripture. Some positively, some negatively, but I promise you this, you do not want to be known for what Phygelus and Hermogenes are known for. Paul's saying, listen, because of my love for the gospel, because of my pursuit of sharing it, it's, it's cost me everything. I'm in prison now. It's gonna cost me my very life. And there are other people that, that the pressure of the world has gotten to them and they've walked away from all of this because they were what? Ashamed of the gospel of the Lord and of me. And so that's what he shares with them. There's, there's people out there. In fact, we'll find out in chapter four, Paul says, they've all abandoned me. Everyone is gone. The only one that's still here is Luke. But everyone else has felt the pressure to walk away from me because of my imprisonment, because of my chains. They're embarrassed of me. And listen, when Paul needed his greatest encouragement and support from other believers, what does he receive? Nothing, but he says, the Lord has got me though. It's okay. But what a, what a picture here. He's saying, do not be ashamed of this. Do not walk away from what you believe. Do not walk away from the things of the Lord because of what the gospel might cost you. It's a powerful, powerful message. Listen, can I ask you this very simple question? It's a question I've wrestled with all week. What would it take for you to be ashamed of the gospel to the point that you would walk away? What would it take? Would it take death? Would it take imprisonment? Would it take beatings? And I wrestled with this this week because honestly, if I'm just transparent with you, oftentimes for me, it's just, I'm, I'm just concerned about not knowing what to say or being embarrassed. And, and, and it's, it's, it's not good. So I've been praying this for myself this week as well. Lord, help me to not be ashamed. It goes back to point one. Help me to not only not be ashamed, but fill me with boldness and courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ with anyone that you put in my path. Number three, the third thing in this passage that Paul challenges Timothy with that I want us to talk about this morning is all the suffering is worth it. That's number three. All the suffering is worth it. If you really dig into the themes that Paul talks about here, he says, listen, you're gonna face some opposition. Don't be ashamed. Be bold. Be courageous. And listen, at the end of the day, whatever you face for the sake of the gospel, it is worth it. It's so worth it. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm grateful that we have this because we get a glimpse into the things that Paul has experienced. And so I wanna read them for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Frequent journeys, 
I was in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Listen, Paul shares with us in 2 Corinthians that I've been through some stuff. And it didn't surprise him, because remember, when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, he told him, I will show you how much you must suffer for my name's sake. And listen, Paul, Paul knows firsthand what the gospel is going to cost us. He knows that we're going to face opposition for it. Listen, most of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, they're already facing it. It's going to catch up to us. So believe it, this is timely. This is good. This is important. Listen, most of us in this room, if I could just be gut level honest with you, we're not ready. We're not. Listen, Paul whipped, beaten with rods. They stoned him to death. And God sent him back. How would you like that experience? Bible tells us that Paul, Paul himself says, listen, I, I went and I experienced the heavens. And Jesus is like, your time's not up yet, man. <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, so to go back is, is faithful service to the Lord, right? He goes right back to preaching the gospel that got him in all this trouble in the first place. But that's what Paul was about. He was about the main thing. But he would say, like, listen, I've been through some stuff but he'd be the first person to tell us that it's all worth it. All of this stuff is worth it. It's why it's the primary thing of his life. And listen, I'm convinced more than ever, it's because Paul got to see heaven that he had this attitude. I feel like for so many of us in the room, if we would get to just see it for a moment, we would echo these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, where he says, for this light and momentary affliction... Listen, did what I read sound like light and momentary to anyone in the room? It did not to me, but to Paul, who had seen what is awaiting him in glory. He concluded that whatever he faced was light and momentary, and it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Listen, Paul's just saying, like, listen, if you just knew if you only knew what was awaiting you, believer, you would be about the gospel and only about the gospel. You would go to work every single day so that you might be able to pay bills so that you can share the gospel. You would turn your life inside out and everything would revolve about your opportunity with the gospel. And whatever you face, it would be worth it. It would be absolutely worth it. So with that, I want to extend an invitation this morning to anyone in the room who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to give you the opportunity to follow after this King Jesus, to surrender, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, and then be about his gospel message for the rest of your life. And listen, I know that so far there's something like, this hasn't been a very good sales pitch. 
that if you'd follow Jesus, listen, all it requires is you giving up your own life and you doing whatever he asks you to do. But I promise you that it would be worth it. That's what I want my life to be about. I pray that that's what you want your life to be about. Listen, believer in the room, I don't know how much time we have left. I don't know how many more opportunities that we have with the people that God's placed in our lives. And listen, I know this to be true. If we're unwilling to do it with the freedom that we've been granted, what makes us think that we would be willing to do it when we face real opposition and real persecution? So let's get busy making the gospel the main thing in all of our lives. Let's, let's share with someone the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't keep that to yourself. Be like the disciples in Acts who said, listen, we cannot stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that we find in it. And God, I, I thank you for Paul writing 2 Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to see very personal side of Paul and Timothy's relationship. God, I thank you for the words that were written here so that we would see and be reminded of the good news of the gospel. God, that we'd be reminded of the seriousness of what's at stake. God, that men and women are dying and spending an eternity separated from you, God. So, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with boldness. God, more than ever, help us to not be timid and shrink back from the opportunities that you've given us, but, God, that we would lean into these opportunities with boldness, with fearlessness, to share the good news of Jesus. God, this lost and dying world, they need it terribly so. And, God, you've given this mission to us. There is no plan B. God, help us to be quick to share this wonderful message. Help us to not be ashamed. God, help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. God, help us to not stop talking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And God, I pray that no matter what we face, either today or in our future, for the sake of the gospel, God, I pray that you would remind us that it all is worth it. And we will not stand before you one day regretting making everything about the gospel of Christ. So Lord, we pray that you would move in a very specific way in each one of our hearts and minds. And God, I pray that we don't just walk out of here feeling bad. God, we actually walk out of here wanting to share. God, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be lifted up, that we'd be filled with boldness to tell other people about what you've done. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.